Welcome to the Felt Recall Podcast. My name is Chris. Cross for me, P Mac Hulon. How are you, sir? Pollen. Pollen's got you. It's got me. You're like the rest of us right now. All stuffed up. Yep. Trying to make your way through life, but you just keep getting smacked in the face by Mother Nature everywhere you turn. Indeed, sir. Well, outside of dying, how's everything otherwise? Splendiferous. Good, good. We live in an upside down world. We keep saying that, so maybe. Maybe all the pollen will go the other direction soon enough. Uh, welcome to episode number 139. That was a dad joke. Did you like that one? That was a good one. Yeah, yeah I was just going to let that it. go. All right. Yep. Stupid. Pretend like that didn't happen. Stupid. Wasn't even a good one. All right. Because, <laughs> I mean, there's varying levels of dad jokes. Sure. Like Can't all be like Will Ferrell one. and Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. That's a good point. Can't be like them every time. Because uh, there's ones like that that just, you get no laugh. As a dad. Just move on. As a dad, I often wonder what my kids will think of me as they grow older. And if they'll ever be able to look back and go, oh, you know, <laughs> probably not. I don't know, maybe. Probably just grow old and go, dad was a weird dude, wasn't he? <laughs> yes, he was. Never made much sense. What was up with that? <sighs> just being dad. Our charity of choice this week is Hidden Wounds. This is an all-volunteer-run organization whose mission is to help heroes battle the invisible war at home. It's a program of Project Josiah, a goal to provide peace of mind and comfort for military personnel battling combat stress injuries, such as post-traumatic stress, traumatic brain injury, and other psychological post-war challenges. These people help the good people that keep us safe. So learn more about them, make a contribution, and help those who have given us so much at hiddenwounds.org. That's hiddenwounds.org. Patrick. Sir. Did, <laughs> I know it's like ubiquitous. It's cliche at this point. Everybody says what a year 2020 was. But did you ever imagine that it would reach such a fever pitch that Sharon Osborne and Piers Morgan would be our ideological allies in the world. No. Um, and I would say, like Sharon Osbourne, I don't think of her as overly political. Right. Um, and fact, if you were to assume... She's, she's been on one of those like daytime talk shows for a long time, right? Okay. You could... Poor timing, but she was. Well, okay. All right. Yes. She's I, out. The point of this conversation being there she's out of the talk, it's called. So, I mean, I don't yeah, I don't really follow her. I mean, the, the last I really remember her was when they were doing their little reality show where Ozzy just walks around and, like, mumbles to himself. And yeah. She just tries to ignore it. What was that called? The Osbournes, I think right? it was the Osbournes, yeah. yeah. And you found out their kid. I mean, it was so obvious their kids are all on every drug yeah. in the world. And everybody's like, what, Jackson Addict? Well, what? yeah. <laughs> no way. You should watch your own show. Well, there was they had the one kid on there, or wasn't on there, that yeah. opted completely out. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it was a weird situation. That was like in the golden era of reality TV, though. That kid knew. Yeah, back before, and, and I don't know, maybe we were all just being duped, but it does feel like there was a day where reality TV wasn't as staged as it is now. Oh, yeah. Right? 
Yeah. Like, uh, it'd be interesting to go back and see the credits of that and see if they actually had writers credited on it. Yeah. Because now every reality show has like a whole slew of writers when the credits roll. I think Duck Dynasty would be a good microcosmic example yeah. of that. It's a good case study of a show that started very organic. You could tell how just real and raw Duck Dynasty was when it started. And then you got to about season three or four. And it was like, well, what are you doing, Uncle Si? Oh, just drinking my Lipton tea as I've been a Lipton tea drinker for 20 (laughs) years. I drink it because it's the purest of the teas. No contaminants. Just like the swamp where I live. Well, dang, Uncle Si. You know, that became every episode. And he suddenly realized, all right, they're just going to sell us. Now, can't blame well, him. And every every I show saw like that jumps the shark eventually. Yeah. Fair. I don't know what that moment was for Duck Dynasty because I can't say I watched it that religiously, yeah. but I'm sure there was a moment where it just was like, it went from being like, okay, this is a, a view into these guys' lives. And they are a little, you know, quirky out there. Yeah. And then, then it just became like, all right, this really is just purely for TV. Yeah. They just started acting. It actually wasn't product placement as much as it was. You know, very staged scenarios. Hey, Jace, Dad says we have to blow the beaver dam and nothing less than 7,000 pounds of tanner, right? We'll do it. <laughs> Should we? And then Jace is like, well, Will, if Dad said so, yeah. <laughs> you know, it just seemed really scripted after a few seasons. Anyway. All but that the, to but, say. But the Osbournes didn't feel that way. No, Osbournes felt very felt real. very organic. How could you ever get Ozzy to yeah. remember anything to say in the first place? Yeah. You know? Well, it was just him doing stupid stuff and everybody reacting around it, I felt like. Was he constantly high or was it just the leftovers? Yeah, I, I have no that idea. That was always the question, right? Maybe a little bit of both. So now you have Sharon Osbourne. Fast forward to 2021. You do wonder... If a woman like her looks at it and goes, what a mess we made of everything. We got everything we wanted, and look at how it all turned out. Because now she's out of a job. Not that she needs it, which is an interesting thing to me. Because there is a term for having that much money that I won't repeat here. But basically, you know, we call it screw you money, right? And you got so much money, you don't have to put up with crap from anybody. Which would be a great place to be in life. Who wouldn't want to be there? She's got that much money. Which probably, you know... I would think would lead me to believe that she probably really liked whatever that talk show job was. She probably really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yep. I think these people feel like they have to leave a legacy, right? And they want their legacy to be as uh, robust as possible. Well, you can be an egomaniac and still enjoy your job. Look at me. Look at you. Look at Trump. Yeah. Look at Sharon Osbourne. All of us. You got so much in common. Trifecta. Man. Who knew? I'm lucky to be in your presence. (laughs) That you are. About time you recognized it. Shoveling coal into that ego. Sharon Osbourne lost her job on the talk for asking what Pierce Morgan said that was racist. That is how she lost her job. That is how absurd the world is right now. If you don't believe me, we'll get into it. All the details here in just a second. But literally, she only said, tell me what he said that's racist. 
That's what she, that's what caused the the, the the firestorm. But but hang on a second. Uh-huh. Was she refuting it when she said that? Was that a rhetorical question? Was she genuinely? She didn't know what he said. What the words were. Can you tell me what Pierce Morgan said that was racist about Meghan Markle, Merkel, whatever her name is, that married Prince Harry? Are you asking me for real? Yeah, for real. No, I cannot. Okay. Because I can't either. I can't tell you. I know that he was critical of her and everybody said, oh, he's critical of her because she's black. And so they asked for an apology and he refused to apologize. He said, I didn't say anything racist. There's no audio of him saying anything racist about that woman. He just called her a liar. And so he says, I don't like her. I don't believe her. She's disingenuous. She's virtue signaling. And Sharon Osbourne goes on to her show, and the black co-host is like, what a racist he is, because he doesn't like a black woman. That woman's name, by the way, is Cheryl Underwood. And Sharon Osbourne... Never heard of her, by the way. Right. Who who would have? The rest of us are making something of our lives. (laughs) So Sharon Osbourne says to Cheryl Underwood, right, it is Cheryl Underwood, I believe. Yes. What did he say that was so racist? And Cheryl Underwood says, and this is true, this is real, these are her words. It's not the exact words of racism. It's the implication and reaction to it. To not want to address that because she is a black woman and to try to dismiss it or make it seem less than what it is. That's what makes it racist. I don't know what any of that means. I... Because the question was, what did he say that was racist? He said she was a liar. Turns out, by the way, she's now admitting, uh, princess or whatever she is now, reality TV show star, whatever she is, Megan is admitting she did lie. She made certain things up. Like they didn't actually get married three days before their wedding ceremony. Oops. So she's a known liar. It's not like you're racist for calling a liar a liar. With, by the way, aspirations to be president. So we have that to look forward Isn't to. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. It's all a big setup, right? It's all a big setup. So anyway, Meghan Markle is out there saying things that aren't true. And Piers Morgan says, I think she's lying. And everybody says, you're a racist because she's half black. And that's why you don't like her. And he goes, no, 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 no. And they say, you apologize. And he goes, no, I'm not going to apologize. Leaves his job over it. He believes in it that much. Sharon Osbourne. Good for him. Exactly right. Sharon Osbourne goes on her TV show. And remember this name. Cheryl Underwood says, well, Sharon basically says, I'm afraid that because he's my friend, right? Everybody's going to say I'm a racist because they perceive him as a racist. And then this big conversation breaks out. So now we're racist by association is what you're saying. Yes. Or what she's saying. So Sharon Osborne says, um, so she tweeted support for Piers Morgan. That's what got her in initial trouble, right? Then she goes on the show to defend herself for tweeting, and Cheryl Underwood says to her, what would you say to people who say that while you're standing by your friend, you appear to be giving validation or safe haven to something he uttered that is racist? And Sharon Osborne says, tell me what he said that's racist. Can we take a quick timeout? Yes. When will people learn, celebrities in particular, learn? Twitter is not your friend. At all. Shut up. Just shut up. Just put the phone down. 
that little troll guy with the beard and the nose ring is not your buddy. He's not helping you out. He's not going to bail you out because you said something on Twitter. Right. Your words will get misconstrued. Yeah. You will lose your job. So it's going to happen. Sorry. You're right. No, you're 100% right. What these people are failing to realize is we're in the next stage of evolution for social media. When social media started, it was a really a networking platform for everybody, right? It was a way of keeping in contact with current friends and making new friends through those current friends. The only reason I ever got on social media in the beginning of it was to promote a radio show, right? So MySpace was the big deal. Everybody had MySpace. R.I.P. R.I.P. And uh, MySpace allowed you to upload audio and pictures and things like that, right? So you could build an audio library on MySpace. So that's what I did for my radio show was I would upload bits to there. So that made sense to me. But then it also had this other great opportunity to network with the people who were listening to the show. And they could all come be your friends on MySpace. Got me in trouble with many more people than I'd ever like to admit. But the point being, uh, now you have this network of people who are being introduced to your quote-unquote product, right? Now, then it kind of became, now that was the early days of MySpace, which, by the way, was invented for bands, right? Tom made that so bands could get their music out to people. Some of us saw an opportunity there for the radio side of it, anything that was audio-based. So it, it went from there to... Staying connected with friends and family. So Facebook comes out, and now you're networking around a college campus. You had to be a college student to get onto Facebook. As Facebook opens up to the general public, everybody hops on board, and now it's just kind of a fun way to keep in touch with your friends and family. And I would suggest that over the last, I don't know, 10 to 15 years, social media has evolved from networking, meeting and greeting, keeping in touch, That's where it was, what it became. Within the last five years, social media has largely been an echo chamber. So anybody that has a thought they think and they want to put it out there and have everyone applaud it and repeat it back to them, they get on social media and post that because they want that personal validation. They like the process of putting it on there. And science proves we've become addicted to it. We open our phones. We hope for the pings. It's an endorphin rush when the phone pings. We all know that person. As soon as the phone, bang, grab it, grab it. What is it? What is it? Who needs me? What have I done that's impressed everyone? Ping, 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 ping. There's science that proves it. It's just not just my opinion. It's an endorphin rush. So that's what we did. We created ourselves an echo chamber. That is why you'll notice people are legitimately surprised when someone on social media disagrees with them. They will tell you about it. Nobody ever tells you the story of, did you see I posted on social media and everybody agreed with me? (laughs) Right. That never happens. But the story of they disagreed with me happens all the time because whether we realize it or not, we expect that validation and that agreement when we log in and post the picture of the whatever pasta dish we made for dinner the night before. Okay? You with me? All right. So far. What we didn't realize, but now we know, which is what you just said, but in different words, is that there is a contingent of society who has realized they can use social media as a lynch mob. And they are winning. They are winning with social media as a lynch mob, right? So the minute you say something out of line with their ideology, they come for you. They turn on you. And you become the victim, even though you have done nothing wrong. You've expressed a valid opinion on whatever the topic is. So they took social media and turned it into a lynch mob. 
And that is primarily how social media is being used today. Some people, Sharon Osbourne, Piers Morgan, maybe, but obviously, like you said, Sharon Osbourne, some people are stuck thinking it's an echo chamber and that everything they say will be validated by the people on their social media when in actuality it has evolved. It's in its next stage of evolution, and it is now the lynch mob. Now, here's a real-life scenario you and I discussed earlier today, but I want to bring it back up. Breitbart has on the Patreon. Make sure you guys subscribe. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) we should. How do we get money for this? Breitbart has the video of the man who is surrounded and being assaulted by Antifa. Okay. Now, the still photo, he kind of looks like Will Ferrell playing a character. If you really look at him, he's got white hair. He's making a face. He's got his hand up and he's got a gun in the other hand. Uh, Now, this is in Oregon where hundreds of of violent and armed Antifa members stormed the capital of Salem, Oregon. And they threw... So what? here's a very short version of the story. This is what is perplexing. Let's break it down just a little bit. They threw paint onto this guy's windshield. Okay? There's a, a thick yellow substance on this guy's windshield when you go watch the video. Now, I can't play the video for you because it's full of profanity. And we try to avoid the explicit rating on the podcast. So... Suffice to say, you can go catch the video, go to feltrecoilshow.com, and you can click over and see the video there. This guy is surrounded by violent people throwing rocks and objects at him. He is unarmed as he exits the vehicle, meaning he has it. Well, that's maybe not the fair way to say it. He has the gun on him as he exits the vehicle. He is not brandished. He has not pulled the gun out to be visible yet. Okay. So he walks around his truck. It looks like he's assessing damage. He's surrounded by the mob. They close in on him. They pepper spray. They're wearing body armor and helmets. And in the midst of all that, as they just start to suffocate him in, he pulls his gun and tells him to back off. Can we pause right there for a second? I wanted to make this guy uh, the vote of the week simply because he draws a firearm and then... He has the racket because he wasn't carrying one in the chamber. So I feel like he's yeah. our, he's going to be our like mini Voda of the week. He's well, like the real one. He's like Voda Junior. <laughs> I'm going to defend him for a second. Allow me, if I may, and and tell me how you really feel. I don't I don't fault him for that because, and I'm not saying this to to blow smoke or pump your ego up, Mister Hulon. Not everybody carries a gun every day, and I remember. When I first got a CWP, uh, what would have been 12, 13 years ago, I got my first one, okay? And I had my first handgun. And was it, would that be right? Before, yeah, about tw- yeah, 12 years ago. And my wife and I uh, went out, and I had done the training and you know, learned the gun and all that. The first time I carried my gun concealed with me, I left around out of the chamber. And I did it because I didn't feel proficient enough with it to leave one in there. And my, my thought process was, let's take out all the variables of any sort of accident happening, right? Yeah. And, and one of those was just take a round out of the chamber and get used to having it on you for, for a couple of days. I'll give you that. And see how that feels. That's valid. So what I'm saying is, I'm going to suppose... That this guy knew what was happening. It's better than nothing. And he 
didn't really feel entirely comfortable having it on his side. I just wanted to provide a little levity. <laughs> Great. This is not a humor podcast. Oh. We're solving the world's problems. My bad. Every Monday. Um, <laughs> and, and then we tell everybody, you know, that would kind of be the irony. We, we do these on Monday nights, release them first thing Tuesday, and we're solving the world's problems. If we figure it out on a Monday, but then the world ends... 3 a.m. Tuesday. I don't know if you know this, but uh, we've done no good. After, after we did the show last week, this ship got stuck in the Suez Canal. We got it out before this week's show. So, I mean, that's I, that's what happens. I'm going to suppose. In the gap where we're not doing this show, we're getting things done, baby. This is what I believe happened on that boat, by the way. They were listening to this podcast. They found out that the Women's Hall of Fame <laughs> was located... In the same podunk town where KitchenAid is headquartered. Yep. And they laughed so hard, they st- steered into a sandbar. I could see where it might make you crash the boat. It could all be our fault. Yep. All right. <laughs> Continuing now. Guy gets out of his truck. There's a thick yellow substance on the windshield. He's surrounded. They kind of close in on him. His back is to his car. They're breaking windows out of his truck. He draws his firearm. And this is where I take huge issue. A violent mob has surrounded a gentleman who has a gun drawn to defend himself. And the police show up, and the gentleman is the only one that cooperates. Antifa continues to close in on the police, shouting vulgar slurs, which, by the way, let's all recognize the hilarious irony in Antifa celebrating the arrival of the police. Right. They're so happy when the cops show up. It's hilarious. They're like, yeah, get, like, literally, if you watch the video, yeah, get him. Get that guy. Well, because the reality is is that guy might have shot him, but the cops won't. Exactly. Amen, right? That's what that's all about. Nailed it. Nailed it. So it's troubling to me that that guy cooperates. He sets the gun down in the bed of his truck, puts his hands in the air as the police approach, and he tells them they were coming at me. The cops don't care about any of the Antifa people. Nope. They only care about this guy. And they bring in a whole crew of people to get this dude in cuffs. Full SWAT regalia. They basically surround the area. So they can get this guy. To form a perimeter between this guy and Antifa so they can basically hook him up with some cuffs. Isn't that crazy? It's wild to think the only person on the scene cooperating is the one they put in cuffs. Is the actual victim. Yeah, and the victim. And the victim. That's the world we live in now. So that is the physical embodiment of what has happened to Sharon Osborne and Pierce Morgan. Now, I wanted you I wanted you to remember these names, Cheryl Underwood and Sharon Osborne. These aren't names I hear every day. I think everybody knows Sharon Osborne at this point, but Cheryl Underwood was a new name to me. I'd never heard of her. Uh today, in an editorial for the Daily Mail, Pierce Morgan wrote of scorching, a scorching piece that started with a story I never knew existed. I'd never heard such a thing. And I would guarantee you haven't either. We'll share it with you in 60 seconds. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the Felt Recall Podcast. Hope you will, by the way, use Anchor FM. If uh, you want to do your own podcast, they do support you right out of the gate. Right out of the gate. Promise. Okay, so the Pierce Morgan situation. He writes an editorial for the Daily Mail, and he basically 
excoriates Cheryl Underwood, the woman who I think you could just argue quite with, with a lot of validity uh, is the reason Sharon Osbourne's out at the talk. Check this out. This is what Pierce writes for the Daily Mail. He says, imagine for a moment that I went on stage in a comedy club and said, there's still two rules in the Morgan family. Don't marry anybody black and don't park in front of the house. Then imagine that a black female member of the audience sitting in the front row took exception to my horribly racist remark, stood up and flipped me her middle finger. Then imagine me turning on that black woman and sneering, sit down, I'm talking. You paid to be a show, sit down. If you can't take a joke, you're in the wrong place. You've got two choices, sit down or get out. Then imagine me continuing to rant, I'm going to make that choice for you. Get out of here. Bye, bye, bye. At which point, the black woman and her friends get up and leave the venue. Then imagine me, two days later, doubling down on the incident when it provoked public uproar and tweeting, you have two choices, have a good day or get the F out. Well, now imagine my friend Sharon Osbourne appearing on her hit show, The Talk, two days after that tweet, defending me and also mocking the woman by blaming her for the abuse she endured and saying, quote, I would have said, that's why nobody's going to marry you because you talking in my show. That would be outrageous, right? I mean, it would be incontrovertible evidence of Sharon publicly supporting a racist, sexist, misogynist pig who had shockingly abused a young black woman. And frankly, she would have deserved to be fired for it. But obviously, I didn't do or say any of those things. Nor did Sharon Osbourne. No, it was Latino comedian George Lopez who racially abused the black woman at a gig in Phoenix, Arizona in February 2017. And the person on the talk who mounted such a passionate defense of his appalling behavior was Cheryl Underwood, one of Sharon's longtime co-hosts. Underwood, herself a black woman, told the panel, quote, once you throw up the bird twice and you are in the first few rows, you have now inserted yourself into the show. And it depends on the mood of the comic on how they handle it. I am pro-black female, but if you put yourself into it, you're going to get lit up. I would have said, that's why nobody's going to marry you, because you talk during my show. In other words, the black female victim of the sickening abuse had it coming for reacting badly to a disgusting racial slur and deserved all the abuse she got. It's hard to imagine a more shameful thing to say on national television, but Miss Underwood was applauded for it by the audience and suffered no disciplinary action from her CBS bosses. Now, cut forward four years to the episode of The Talk that aired on CBS on March 10th, the day after I quit my UK breakfast show, Good Morning Britain, after refusing to apologize for disbelieving Meghan Markle's disingenuous load of fact-devoid baloney in her lengthy Oprah wine-a-thon with Prince Harry, much of which has now been proved to be untrue. Sharon Osbourne tweeted her support for me, saying, I am with you. I stand by you. People forget that you're paid for your opinion and that you're just speaking your truth. And Cheryl Underwood wasn't happy with her about it. What would you say to people, she demanded, who say that while you're standing by your friend, you appear to be giving validation or safe haven to something he uttered that is racist? This was a staggering, barefaced lie. I've never said a single thing about Meghan Markle that could possibly be construed as racist, either in print or on television. In fact, the only time I've ever mentioned her race has been to repeatedly say how great it was that a biracial woman was marrying into the very white British royal family. 
It's true that having once been friendly with her, I've been very critical of her in the past three years because I believe she's a fake virtue signaling hypocrite who ruthlessly exploits her royal titles for financial gain. But none of that honestly held opinion. Uh, sorry, but none of that honestly held opinion is based on anything to do with her skin color. I've been equally critical of Harry for his own ludicrous antics, and he's white. Sharon was stunned by Underwood's question. Tell me what he said that's racist, she retorted several times. But Underwood was unable to say because she knows I never have. It's not the exact words of racism, she eventually clarified. It's the implication and reaction to it, to not want to address that because she is a black woman, and to try to dismiss it or make it seem less than what it is. That's what makes it racist. So let me get this straight. To disbelieve Meghan Markle, even when she's demonstrably lying about very serious and incredibly damaging claims, her son Archie, by the way, was not banned from being a prince because of his skin color, just as she's now admitted they didn't get secretly married three days before their wedding, is now an automatic confirmation of racism. I don't understand, said a bemused Sharon. If Pierce doesn't like someone and they happen to be black, does that make him a racist? No, said Underwood. Right. So why can't it just be he doesn't like her? Why does it have to be racist? Underwood didn't answer. Instead, she said, I don't want anybody here to watch this and think we're attacking you for being racist. Sharon chuckled ruefully. I think it's too late. That seed's already sown. Yes, it had been. Just as the seed had been sown about my own supposed racism with zero evidence to support it. And it was done very deliberately and utterly disgracefully. Patrick, you're a pretty well-known racist. Um, Thank you, sir. <laughs> hard. Can you imagine? Yeah, I put a lot of hours in. I, I will say it's kind this. kind of a thing yeah. doesn't happen without some serious effort. You're, you're really, really Got a know. lot of people I'd like to thank. Mm-hmm. Um, most notably, you. Yes. Um, I think that's it, actually. Yeah. <laughs> you hate white people with the fiery passion of a thousand suns. You have no idea. Everyone knows that. Um, Especially those gingers. Like yeah. Yep. Have we entered a place where any criticism of someone of a different skin complexion is going to be racist moving forward? I, I I don't know how you could even answer that question, honestly, because we're in a level of absurdity where I could say yes, I could say no, and tomorrow it's going to be a different thing. Yeah, they'll find a way. I, I don't. I don't really think I could answer that question. It, it, definitively one way or the other. I don't understand. Because if you'd asked me that same question yeah. five years ago, I don't know that the answer would be the same as today. I mean, Al Sharpton's a racist. We know that. He gets his own show on MSNBC, right? It's a funny thing they're doing. Which is great to go look up the clips on YouTube. Oh, man. Just, his misspeaks are just classic. gibberish. It's... In fact, I would even put him up there with Biden. Oh, yeah. And I think he's he's the trendsetter on gaffes <laughs> on TV. You know what I'm saying? That guy, his inability to read a teleprompter is absolutely stunning. It's I would say this. I think he's the type that walks onto the set and just says he's ready to go. Um, Zero prep. Yeah, there's no getting around the fact that he thinks 
He's just going to cold read everything. Right. Yeah, we're not going to. There's there's no need for any of us to even worry about doing this um, uh, the first time. There's no trial runs with this guy, I guess, is where I'm trying to go with this. You know what I'm saying? He's he's just going to get out there and wing it. Yep. And, and anybody that gets in his way, well. He'll just make up words. Yeah, they'll be it in trouble. It doesn't really matter. They'll be in trouble. Let's, let's just see. That, that's what I'm supposing. I think he sweeps onto the set. But resist, we much. <laughs> we must. I think he just swings onto the set and starts doing whatever he feels like doing. Let's see if we can uh, play a few of these for you here. Wait, why doesn't this thing ever work when I need it to work? A shutdown. The Tortoise in the race. Then co-author of Hubris. You two lead singer Bono. Fran Drescher. Siganoi Weaver. Suspect Jahar Sanaev. Rush Limbaugh. Rush Limbaugh. Rush Limbaugh. The show Rush Lombard hosts. Rush Limbaugh. Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor is Mike is Mike uh, Muckery yesterday. Antonine Antonine Scalia, Anthony. Kim Kardashian, and the Republican <laughs> candidates of Cairo and Benghazi. We rank behind Latvia, uh, Lavita. First stop <laughs> instead of Latvia. Kazakhstan, Kazakhstan to college students in Beijing. He's getting Beijing. lunch at Chipotle. In Iowa. Is appropriate. <laughs> that, was, that was supposed to be Chipotle. <laughs> Chipotle. The GOP's uh, tax giveaway to millionaires. Why was traffic problems email sent? The Environmental <laughs> Projection Agency. And what sequestration has done. <coughs> <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, that last one's just him staring there, like choking on some water or something. Oh man, resist we much, but resist we much. <laughs> poor guy. He that actually guy. listening to that makes Biden sound very cognizant. Yeah, it really does. Really does. But which is striking. Well, you get, get you gotta give Biden. I mean, that's four or five years worth of compilation. Sure, give, yeah. give Biden another couple months and we'll be able to match that easy. I would say give him one more press conference. We'll be uh, man, I love that crap. I love it so much. Chipotle. Chipotle. Lot. What did he say? How did he say Latvia? Uh, I can't remember now. Uh, anyway. Because <laughs> it's, it's that bad. Activia. All right. Um... Anyway, how did we get there? Oh, I don't even remember. How did we get to Al Sharpton? Oh, because you're a racist. I'm I'm racist. I like to think that you are an Al Sharpton fan. Ergo, you hate white people, and that's why you're a racist. So I brought it up. Yeah, that'd be fun. Okay, here's one that I thought was... um, I'm going to need you to do me a favor here. Get your big boy tinfoil hat out. All right. And fasten that thing secure, because... The lawyer, L. Lynn Wood. You got that? That is that. All right. Got my hat on. That was supposed to be tinfoil? That's, that's all I had. Yeah, I didn't know I was supposed to come prepared with props. Well, you could have grabbed one of these. I, can't, I couldn't reach that. That, that doesn't, that's not really tinfoil either. That's not, is it? All right. You know what? I'm bringing the whole Foley setup <laughs> next week. All right. Get your hat out, put it on, because I have a very serious accusation to make. 
against the king of accusations, L. Lynn Wood. Uh, if you don't remember. It's a pretty appropriate title for him. I'm telling you, man. L. Lynn Wood is the guy who uh, first stepped up to represent Kyle Rittenhouse. Kyle Rittenhouse, if you don't remember, was the uh, Kenosha kicker. Uh, he did a great job uh, defending himself against multiple armed attackers, and I think he did what a lot of Americans need to get out and do. Answered the call from his community. They needed somebody to help keep peace, and he went out and did his best to do that. I thought you meant shoot pedophiles. Oh, uh, well, that's one of the things. But also, you know, legitimately, and I mean this seriously, uh, if – if your town is overrun and your police lack the resources, somebody at the end of the day has to answer that call. And he did that. And he worked there as a lifeguard and he drove 20 minutes from work and helped guard a car dealership or auto parts store, whatever it was that the local guy owned. And uh, it's, you know, it's his right to be out there and say you're not allowed to be violent. And when you attack him and try and beat him with a skateboard, you brought a skateboard to a gunfight. And that's on you, son. Uh, it's nobody else's problem. It's yours. So anyway, say all that to say. L. Linwood stepped up and put together a legal defense for Kyle Rittenhouse. And at that point, we were all like, great. Who's this guy? Sounds awesome, right? So he's getting a bunch of Twitter followers, yada, yada, yada. Then, somewhere along the way, doesn't matter when, L. Linwood lost his ever-loving mind. Yep. Right? There's no getting around the fact that the man, he went a little crazy. Uh, Can we agree to that? I'd say that's putting it mildly, but sure. All right. So he has gone as far as accusing Mike Pence of treason. He said John Roberts was involved in it. said uh, Mike Pence would stand before a uh, firing squad. Uh, I hate to do it, but really Huffington Post has one of the better rundowns of all of his crazy tweets. Um, He basically said, now, look, here's the thing. I don't disagree with him that there was a problem with the election. And it looks like there was foreign interference in the election. We still have states and municipalities in the United States that are right now allowing cases to continue that allege voter fraud during the election. So it's not really a stretch to say there was a problem there. He believes the Communist Party of China was involved. I wouldn't say I disagree because they wanted their boy Joe in office. I mean, they've been paying the Biden family for years so that they're ready for their kickback. Um, but then he kind of got kind of crazy, right? Uh, he said they've learned that globalists like George Soros and elitists like Bill Gates were involved along with the CIA and the Republicans. Um, anyway, then he went on to like some child trafficking thing where he tried to rope all these famous people in. At one point he claimed he had videos of like Epstein uh, people on Epstein's Island with kids or something. Oh, yeah. And then that turned into... That was the John Roberts thing, too, right? Yeah. Um, Where he said, if SCOTUS wanted me disbarred, they could they could disbar me tomorrow. Right. But, yeah, he's, like, apparently trying to call their bluff with some veiled threat uh, of releasing information, releasing these videos. And then he kind of went full, like, QAnon, wackadoodle. Uh, with the with the uh, child sex trafficking thing, and then that turned into he says he doesn't have the videos. Uh, he only had the password, and so he put the password on Parler for the whole world to see, and said, "Well, whoever has <laughs> the videos, 
now you have the password to unencrypt them. So that'll be all the proof to like bring down the cabal. I mean, it was like really crazy stuff. It was really fun to watch. Yeah. I mean, like really fun. Entertaining. Cause it was like you set up notifications and you get a little ping and you go, Oh, yep. There's old crazy going at it again. Yeah, man. Yeah, it was fun. And he kind of had to make a decision for a minute. Yeah, this guy is—is is it gonna happen? Does he have something, or is he just playing crazy? Oh, I did believe him for a minute. I'll, I'll fully admit there was about a ten-minute-long period there where I was like, "Man, this guy's about to like really unleash the fury." Like he knows something. He's obviously connected in these circles, and and you know injected himself in it just enough to be able to, you know, pull out some kind of evidence of something, and then. All of that went flying out the window. Yeah, he is uh, downright crazy, as the kids like to say. And now he uh, wants to lead the South Carolina Republican Party. Lynn Wood, according to the Epic Times, a lawyer who filed thirty, uh, who filed thirty, who filed third-party lawsuits in support of former President Donald Trump's election challenges has announced his bid to lead the South Carolina Republican Party. Wood said in a March 28th statement that he's seeking to oust current state GOP chairman Drew McKissick, who has been at the organization's helm since 2017. In his statement, Wood cited a dispute over control of a local Republican Party organization in Horry County. And he goes on and on. I don't really care about the details of it. I'm not even going to give them to you because this is where you got to just fasten your tinfoil hat tight, okay? I'm ready. All right. So if I'm the left and I want to destroy the Republican Party, right? The Rittenhouse thing happens. And I say to myself, this is the opportunity we've been looking for. And here's why. Any reasonable person knows that what that guy did was self-defense. What Rittenhouse did. So... It's a good opportunity to get one of our operatives in to defend him because the evidence will overwhelmingly support what he did. The person that represents him will become a hero to the right. And now we've got our plant in place and we can do whatever we want. Now, remember, L. Lynn Wood was also someone telling Republicans in Georgia not to vote. Yep. Because the system was rigged. And that's how you got Ossoff and Warnock in there. Is because of L. Lynn Wood. And now, he wants to come to South Carolina and, and lead the Republican Party. All Again, no such thing as coincidence. It all happens for a reason. I am telling you, 100%, I now believe, and I mean this sincerely, that, that guy is a plant by the far leftists to take a segment of conservatives, galvanize them together around him, and then let him go crazy and do what he I think it's all an act. I think it's right. all an act. Yeah, yeah. And he's doing what he's doing to make conservatives look that much more crazy and then give the left that much more clout to say, look at how crazy these people are. They believe this weirdo... Who's going out and defending people that go around with AR-15s and kill innocent protesters? I mean, I don't think that's too far of a stretch. I mean, so the concept of gaslighting is essentially mm. playing the long game. Yeah, right. Right? So yeah. if that's true, then how far-fetched would it be 
to play the long game from Rittenhouse through the election and beyond. Yeah. Because we're not, I mean, we're talking about people that are power hungry on a level that you and I could probably never understand. Yeah. So for them to put a plan in place and commit to that type of long game, I don't think is a stretch at all. We have a really bad habit of being short-term thinkers, right? And we forget so much so fast because we ingest so much information. They know that. Yeah. And they know they can play on that. Use it against us, absolutely. Yeah. They won't remember this in five years. I actually think I remember an article where around the time that Sidney Powell and Lynn Wood were putting in these um, appeals for vote counts and such, uh, him saying that he's act, he actually was not a fan of Donald Trump, not had no intention of voting for him, but his whole thing was this was just the right thing to do for the republic because the system was being taken advantage of and yada, yada, yada. But it was this little sliver in there about how he wasn't really a Republican and he wasn't really a Trump guy, he wasn't a MAGA guy. He was just there because it was the the moral he had this you know moral obligation mm. now how much of any of that article was true i have no idea right uh, but they were quoting him on a lot of that stuff I, I you know so who knows you think he was just doing that to kind of leave himself a way out maybe or I maybe mean, pulling the curtain back he could be playing both sides i definitely think that's true <laughs> got to be to a large degree it's got to just be it's got to be that they knew getting him in there was a good way to kind of split the party eventually. I mean, so to further dive into the point, what is the motivation for coming to South Carolina? What is the what what's up for grabs here that matters enough that there would be a benefit for him to come here? What is his tie to South Carolina? Because I can't think of a single thing. And I don't, you know, I don't know a ton about the guy to be honest with you. So there may be something, and I'm just not aware. Um, he moved to South Carolina after spending uh, 65 years in Georgia. Uh, he said the state bar of Georgia was seeking to discipline him, which followed news that the Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger's office launched an investigation to whether Wood voted illegally in the 2020 election. So it sounds like he's running, quite honestly. Yeah. Um, and he, he claims he was approached by several members of the South Carolina Republican Party. He says a compelling reason for my decision to run for chair of the South Carolina Republican Party is that it's time for the leadership of the party to recognize and appreciate the amazing patriots stepping up to get involved in the party. It's not the time to take actions to exclude them. Uh, said in the statement, which he complained about moves by state Republican leadership to limit what he said were MAGA Republicans having a stronger voice in the county. I don't know. I don't, uh, frankly, man, I don't really believe much of what he says anymore anyway. So it doesn't, no. <laughs> like, I discount everything I read from the guy. Uh, he went nuts, and uh, it's hard to even know. All right, anyway, I'm just telling you, Ellen Wood, definite leftist plant. I don't think we can trust the guy, uh, but sounds like you already know that. All right, let's have some fun. Actually, that's not the right choice of words. I'm sorry. I'm an ambitious officer. One voter. Everybody knows the rules. I need to be a part of the 100 Claws. Uh-huh. Uh, it's, not, it's not fun. 
uh, to, to, to share this with you. It's, it's actually quite sad. Uh, but usually vote is like the fun part, but it's not. Uh, from Fox News, CNN is being slammed for questionable tweet. If you heard the story, two young girls, 13 and 15 respectively, I believe, mm-hmm. right? Uh, they attempted to carjack an Uber Eats driver, and they tase him. It causes a car accident, throws him out of the car, and he dies right there on the pavement in Washington, D.C. CNN, I don't know what their agenda is here, okay? Maybe these are transgender girls. There's got to be something. There's a reason they're protecting these two young girls. CNN tweeted this. This is real. As crazy as it's going to sound. Police said the girls, 13 and 15, assaulted an Uber Eats driver with a taser while carjacking him, which led to an accident in which he was fatally injured. (laughs) No, I do believe that's murder. That's like the most long-winded way of saying they killed someone I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. Think about that. It'd be interesting to watch... So the uh, trial of the officer who kept his knee on the neck of George Floyd. Is it Chauvin? I'm not sure. C-H-A-U-V-I-N, I I believe. Chauvin, Chauvin, I don't know. Something like that. I don't watch the news. I read it. I feel like I have to say that a lot because I don't get the names right. (laughs) But I read a lot. I refuse to have it on in the house. It's terrible for your mind. It's terrible for the kids, for sure. Anyway, that trial started this week. It'll be interesting to put the parallel up between how they treat him and then how they'll treat these two girls. I think it's interesting that you think there will be a parallel because this will go away. Oh, yeah. I got you. This is done. No, yeah. We'll never mention it again. It never happened. Okay. I mean, when the the media is, is treating you with kid gloves that much, when they're going to that length of mental gymnastics... Mm-hmm. To not say you murdered someone, yes, they're going to make it go away. It will be out of the news cycle within 24 hours. I can guarantee you right now. I want to. I want to say you're wrong, but you're not. You're 100 percent right. They'll let it go because uh, it doesn't fit whatever the agenda is. By the way, the guy they killed, I think his name was Mohammed Anwar. Is that right? Uh, I'm having to look here. I'm sorry. I was trying to find it. Yeah. Yeah, Muhammad Anwar, 66 years old from Pakistan. I expect um, Muslim Lives Matter signs to be in people's yards. Yeah, and I'm going to tell you, that's not a 13- and 15-year-old white dude, right? Right. Like, imagine if that had been two white guys that made this happen. Killed a Muhammad in the middle of D.C. Yeah, we all know how that would play out. It's hardly even worth bringing that up because everybody thinks it in the first place because of the absurdity of it all. Anyway, uh, that's why CNN is our vote of the week. I do want to say one more thing before we go. Did you watch uh, the Jen Psaki presser today at all? Did you see any highlights of her press conference today? Um, I, Yeah, I may have. The problem with her is it's very much like Seinfeld, where all the episodes run together. Uh, so it's a little hard to tell. I'll circle back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I did watch... Uh, a minute of it or two, but generally speaking, it's really hard to because she's such a moron. <laughs> so I can't, it just, I start getting like to where I'm gritting my teeth and I'm just like, all right, I can't take a whole lot of it. 
Because this is what befuddles me is you have the, the highest branch in the government. Well, not the highest, but, you know, it's the executive branch of the government. Seems to me interfering in the trial that's happening for this police officer. Play the question and her answer. You tell you tell me if she doesn't basically just say the dude's guilty. Okay. Right. By the way, guilty de facto because he's a cop. All right. So no question about it. He's a cop. It was done because he's a racist, and this is the way the system works. Listen. Go ahead. Uh, I want to talk about George Floyd. Uh, will the president be watching or receiving updates on Derek Chauvin's trial today? And has he been in touch with George Floyd's family to lead up to trial? Well, he certainly will be watching closely, as Americans across the country will be watching. Uh, you know, at the time uh, of um, George Floyd's death, he talked about this as being uh, a, a, an event that really opened up a wound uh, mm. in the American public. Uh, and it really... Uh, it brought to light for a lot of people in this country uh, just the kind of racial injustice and inequality that many communities are experiencing every single day. And he'll be watching it closely. He'll certainly be provided updates. Obviously, this is a trial that's working its way through a law enforcement or a legal process, so we wouldn't weigh in further than that. But these were events that at the time he spoke about as uh, being just a reminder of also the need to, and it certainly impacted how he's thought about in his own government, making equity central to what we do, uh, instituting and putting in place uh, 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 racial injustice and addressing racial injustice as a priority, he's one of the key putting, crises. Did you catch that? He's putting into place racial injustice. Did I, did I miss that? Or isn't yeah. that what she just said? She's, we're she going to put in place. Uh, being just a reminder of also the need to, and it certainly impacted how he's thought uh-huh. about What's in do? his own government, okay. making equity central to what we do, okay. uh, instituting and putting in place uh, uh, uh Racial injustice and addressing racial injustice <laughs> as a priority, Idiot. one of the key crises that he believes right. he is facing and we are all facing as a country. So it'll be sent, it will continue to be central to what we do, and he will, of course, be watching the trial closely. All right, all right, all right. Well, yeah, yes. so to answer your question, yes, she is heavily implying uh, that it was uh, he was murdered on purpose yeah. because of his race. Heavily implied. Cops are racist. And, oh, by the way, we know the vice president's black, but still, oh, my goodness. Oh, by the way, we also know the current president is only president because he was the vice president to a black man for a decade. Okay? We had a black president for a decade. A decade. Okay? And they had every branch of the government for a while. Okay? And you're going to tell me that this racial injustice stuff is still a problem. If that's true, I don't believe it is. But if it is, it's all Barack Obama's fault. Because the man, the Barack Obama and the Democrats had every opportunity they needed to fix that. They even changed the rules of the Senate so they could take control of the American health care system. And they, could, they didn't fix anything else? Well, that's on them. That's on them. It's not, it's not us, Bob. We didn't do it. I think that's fair. They did it. All right, anyway. That woman drives me bonkers. Like, I don't think it's just you. Talk about equity. I'd fist fight her. Like, that would be cool. <laughs> Chris versus Jen, man versus woman, no difference between the genders. Have it out. I think she should accept your request, sir. If she really believes women are equal to men. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't really. She's entitled to be a buffoon. I do feel sincerely bad for her. 
like sincerely bad for her. Can you imagine your job? Like you're excited because who wouldn't want to be White House press secretary? But then it's like, all right, you want to be White House press secretary? And you go, well, yeah, that'd be great. Okay, Joe Biden's your man. Okay, one wait, real quick. <laughs> like Joe Biden, Joe Biden. Yeah. All right, I guess. And then you just do it. Any chance uh, we could get him out of there about halfway through? (laughs) Yeah. I'd really rather, you know. Slip somebody else in? Like a Jamaican Indian mixed woman comes in and maybe she could be the boss for a little while. We'll see what we can do. That'll happen. All right, anyway, that's number 139 of the Felt Recall Podcast. Thanks for hanging out. We'll come back in a week and do it again. Sound like a plan? Yeah, we'll try not to get any ships stuck this week. <laughs> yeah, no more jokes. You can find out more about the show at feltrecoilshow.com. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to the podcast, tell a friend about the podcast, and leave us a rating and a review wherever you download your podcasts. And if you're on the go and you want to take us with you, use Anchor to take the Felt Recoil podcast with you wherever you go. We'll see you next week.